You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we got our first home noon game in, and it only took <laughs> the second half of the season. How are you feeling today? <laughs> yeah, we haven't had too many of those for a while. Uh, it was it was, it was was kind of bizarre, actually. I, I think I said to you yesterday, I didn't quite get the dynamic of the noon game anymore. <laughs> it was very strange. It was strange, and I think there were a lot of fans actually, and and, and a couple talking to my a couple of my friends that aren't even in the media and, and uh, Chiefs coverage business. Just from a fan standpoint, I think some fans were actually longing for a nude game because it just had not happened in a, a long time, <laughs> and it used to for sure been uh, be the other way. But regardless of the time of the game, the the Chiefs had quite a day in in defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars twenty seven seventeen, little early marinated takeaway here that score doesn't really depict what the game was if you just hear they they won 27 17 you would think oh this was somewhat of a close matchup but it wasn't the Chiefs were in control all game it reminded me of the Bucks game from earlier this year which I believe was a 10 point win but it was never really in question and that is kind of what happened uh, in Kansas City on Sunday meanwhile I think the bigger story is when you combine the Chiefs win with a loss to the Chargers, mm-hmm. a loss for the Raiders, a loss for the Broncos, and a loss for the Buffalo Bills. So around the division, the Chiefs are now entering week 11, two games up in the AFC West, which we all thought would be the, the best division ever. And uh, that feels pretty dumb at this stage. And now that the Bills lost the two games in a row, first to the Jets and the Minnesota Vikings, the Chiefs jump up to first in the AFC, if they run the table and go 15 and two, they will get the AFC by. So that's back under their control. That's tall. That's a tall ask. Just considering anything can happen in the NFL, but the control is back in the favor of the Chiefs. And the way that the AFC has kind of went, John, here, what you got was the Buffalo Bills dropping from one to the sixth seed in the AFC. Yeah. So that's the parity <laughs> right now of the conference. You got to win to to stay up there couple weeks away from the bills maybe looking be on the outside looking in like that's how competitive it, it is right now and so everything in week 10 went kansas city's way yeah the thing with the bills is kind of interesting because the chiefs are two and oh in division but mm-hmm. the bills are oh and two which makes it much harder for them to you know stay in control of the division and of course it's the way it's seated is that the division winners all have home games. So if you're not the division winner, the tiebreakers really don't make a lot of difference. I'm still glad the chiefs have the tiebreaker, you know, (laughs) that because you never know how this is all going to play out. 
But it's kind of interesting that the, the the Bills fell from the first seed to the sixth. But that's why, because their their losses have been in their own division or two of them anyway. Yeah. So we'll see what ends up happening in this conference, in the division. But the Chiefs are, are very much in the driver's seat. And one thing I, I, I will note as well, when you talk about the second half and the rest of the season is coming into the year, John, the Chiefs clearly had the toughest schedule based upon the mm-hmm. results of last year by any metric that you look. Now you suddenly get to the second half of the schedule, and let me pull it up here quickly. But I, you know, I'm, I'm going to read this fast. The Chargers, their mess. The Rams, they we just talked off air about how they lost their best player potentially in, in Cooper Cup. That's two weeks away. They might not even have him in that game. The Bengals have not been as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. The Broncos are an absolute mess. The Texans, the Seahawks have been good, but yeah. the Chiefs are clearly a better team. And then you get the Broncos and the Raiders. Every other team in the division, and you can't sleep on division games always, but every other team in the division may hi- may fire their head coach this year, like this offseason. So that's <laughs> what you're dealing with. So there's a ton of division games left. And the, and the other teams, aside from, in my opinion, what would be the Bengals, these out-of-division teams like the Texans and the Seahawks and the Rams, the Chiefs should win those games. So who knows? Maybe they they will rip off running the table and, and win the conference at 15-2. At and two. The, the help is good, though, around the, the NFL when you get that help, when you need it against a team like the Bills who beat you. And you need to have a better outright record. Now the Chiefs uh, are in control of that. All right, we're going to get into marinated takeaways in a second here. We just got one review very quick, John. It's okay. from Ricky Casey Moe. Amazing show for a amazing team. No end there for uh, an amazing team, but a amazing team. And the comment was, I love anything Chiefs. Great show. So okay. this is the, you love well, we do Chiefs, too. Is it the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network is the channel for you. And uh, thank you for the the comment, Ricky. If you want to leave us a rating and a review, we will read it here uh, on the editor show. Quick note: No Andy Reid today. He ended up having a personal matter. We got a conversation with Jarek McKinnon, but it isn't worth playing Jarek. I, I like Jarek. He's a nice guy. He's a, a very good pass catching running back, very good pass protector. But we're going to skip playing Jarek McKinnon sound uh, on the editor's show. Um, we, we expect to hear from Andy Reid and get some updates. I know there's a ton of injury updates we're curious about. So that'll all come on Wednesday and especially Wednesday afternoon when we get that first Chiefs Chargers injury report. Coming off the 27-17 win over the Jaguars. If you haven't uh, heard by now, the Chiefs and Chargers have been flexed to Sunday night football. So we were very excited about this noon game and john we won't have a noon game for another five weeks now so hopefully <laughs> we enjoyed it so yeah it's all about us of course yeah that, that, i mean I, I wouldn't have it any other way all right yeah. it's time let's get into our world famous marinated takeaways well i'm gonna let this marinate you know let that one marinate and then we can circle back adapt react Adapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Welcome back in. It's time. It is time for the marinated takeaways. Love, love the intro music. It really gets me in a, a marinated mood, as they say, John. And we had a, a good team win for the Chiefs, I, I felt like, on Sunday. And I'm sure our takeaways are going to reflect that. As we do each and every week, we will start with you. What did you take away from this game? Hey, I'm not sure my my takeaways are going to focus on that, but we'll we'll go ahead and get started anyway. Oh. Um, I'd just like to 
clarify some things about uh, the onside kick yesterday. I, I, I've seen a lot of complaining um, and so on that the that it was inexcusable. The Chiefs were not ready for that kick. And I'm going to have to push back on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that the whole point of uh, kicking an onside kick to start a game is that no team is going to expect that. Um, and to top it off, the play was executed beautifully by the Jaguars, and it's not an easy play to run. And I think we this is a situation where we have to give the Jaguars some credit for thinking up a time to do it that no one will expect it. I'm not sure that this is the kind of play that we need to be uh, saying that Dave Tobe should have done something differently. I, I just I just don't believe that it makes sense to emphasize to the players that they might see an onside kick and we need to put the hands team out there on the opening kickoff of a game. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I would just like to get that out there uh, because of all the comments I've seen on the, of that nature. This was a really strange start to the game, and yeah. it wasn't even the beginning of the strange happenings because I just had to look it up here. Derek Nottie, Chris Lamonts, and Andrew Wiley went out as the, the Chiefs' captains, and the Chiefs won the toss. And mm-hmm. everyone that knows Andy Reid by now understands that Andy Reid likes to defer and get the ball in the second half. Right. And I think it was my understanding, and I don't think Andy Reid wanted to throw the captains under the bus, but I, I think they said the wrong thing. I think they won the toss and decided by accident <laughs> to receive. And Reed tried to reverse it, and you could see him talking to the refs, but the decision had been made already. So not yeah. only did they get surprised by the onside kick, but moments before, there were there was a little bit of confusion, and I'm sure it, I could see Andy talking to the refs on the sideline. I think he was trying to get it reversed, but I, I don't know if the NFL rule is once you, you make the call, he made the call. So the Chiefs were receiving, not really even wanting to receive after winning the toss, and then they get stunned by that onside kick and it was a that's a gutsy call by doug peterson sure it is you, yeah if the chiefs recover there i mean patrick mahomes we've seen him and the chiefs offense mm-hmm. like scoring two or three plays and man that would be a a gut punch if if so kudos to them for for pulling it off and i'm with you to an extent i mean you'd like to see the chiefs be ready for anything i don't well, think sure. that they were yeah. I don't think that they were expecting that, but that's the point of doing an opening game onside kick. You're, right. you're supposed to catch the, the other team off off guard, and, and things happen. And look, the Chiefs overcame it; they were able to force a punt. That's also too like it's great that the from a Jaguars standpoint, it's great that they recovered the onside kick. But then, if you don't follow it up by scoring, right? Actually, right. It actually probably hurts your psyche in a way, right? right. So, right. anyway, I lo- I lo- and I had and I had thought of the point. I've thought of the point that you brought up as well. That it was interesting that the Chiefs you know called to receive i didn't know what you were just uh talking about there that it was a mistake but i wonder if the thinking for the jaguars was if we win the toss um we will elect to receive and then if the chiefs win the toss and they uh yeah i, I think what the jaguars wanted was to have the ball first no matter what i think this call right. to for the onside kick was something that they said well, if the Chiefs end up receiving the ball, then we're going to throw an onside kick at them. One way or another, we're going to have the ball to start the game. I, I think that was the. I, I think there's a good chance that that was their thinking. Well, I just think when you're a lesser team, not that you need to be gimmicky, but you need right. to have some of those. You know, the fact that the the ball is oblong and can bounce your way certain times. Right. You need to have some of those things go your way. Right. We talked about that on last show, where that was 
the old Chiefs. Where like, yeah. <laughs> pretty good team, right? But like yeah. to be the better team, you're gonna have to have a few things that just kind of go perfectly for you. And I thought the Jaguars had a perfect beginning to pull off an mm-hmm. upset, right? You're gonna get the ball right. at half, and you start with the ball, but they just couldn't follow through with with the offense being good. All right, we have we have talked about an onside kick for six minutes. <laughs> Let's get into my first takeaway. <laughs> and and uh, this is this is um, just just how I feel about the running back situation. I'm starting to feel validated about my takes on it. Look, I, I'm the first to admit sometimes I make these takes and they're wrong. They're wrong as all hell. Uh, but I, I said a couple episodes ago that I, I thought Isaiah Pacheco would be the, the best three down back. I added, you know, as they were not, in my opinion, giving the running backs enough touches, I, I added that I, I think they really needed to lean on one. And Jarek McKinnon, whether that be CEH or Pacheco, and then we would see success in the run game. And part of the reason that they had more touches in the run game is because this game was at hand, and you you saw a bunch of those also in the second half. But I just think, you know, my whole point was, what if we gave, what if the Chiefs gave Isaiah Pacheco between 11 and 15 carries? What would his stat line look like? Well, we found out it was 16 carries for 82 yards to 5.1 yards per attempt came in there and then I, I thought this was a kudos to Andy Reid and the coaching staff even despite his fumble left him in the game mm-hmm. that's one of the yeah. things that I really like about Andy Reid and the staff is I'm sure if they made multiple mistakes eventually you can get replaced but they like to throw them right back out there and then a lot of times the player will rise to the occasion in the case where the player doesn't rise to the occasion and maybe makes more mistakes that's when you might see them being replaced which is why I think we have a new punt returner on our hands mm-hmm. i i asked right. Kadarius tony after the game did the staff tell you you were taking every punt and they and he said yes so i think effectively and we'll get a confirmation from this from dave tobe on thursday but i think effectively Kadarius tony is the punt returner but i'm getting i'm, I'm, I'm getting back and i'm getting into a rabbit hole back to pacheco <laughs> really impressed with the kid yeah. i think the chiefs made the right call by 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 putting him ahead of clyde edwards elair i'm a clyde edwards elair fan but sometimes you got to go with who the better option for you is. I think this game in a way solidified the fact that the chiefs are not, I mean, I don't think this was much of a question before, but they're not going to pick up Clyde's 50 year option. And I, I think this is the running back on a rookie deal that they're, they're going to end up rolling with. I wonder what it looks like for Clyde's future, but for now, for this year, I think he, he ends up being a nice depth piece. If Petr Pacheco were to go down with injury, mm-hmm. Clyde can still, still do the job. But I think the chiefs have finally leaned into what they needed to which is in a way running back by committee still but you have your runner north and south guy in pacheco and then you have mckinnon who ends up being your pass catching back and he knows his role um, pass protector and and they should stick with this until injury in my opinion and i think you saw exactly why on sunday yeah i i don't think uh i i think you're right about that i think that they've found something that works and that's what they've been searching for all the time is 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 for something that works um i think a lot of people were surprised that they didn't hold mckinnon back uh for this game so they could give ronald jones an opportunity to get out there and play and see what he could do that would have been a reasonable thing to try considering all the trouble that they've had at the running mm-hmm. back position so i think a lot of people were surprised that Ronald Jones was again inactive for this game because, you know, in other circumstances, the chiefs have erred on the side of being conservative with injured players, but here they are with McKinnon putting him out there after he apparently had some kind of a hamstring injury on either Thursday or Friday that made him questionable for the game. So 
Um, I, I think that they had made up their minds what it was that they liked, and I, they thought it was that was going to be Pacheco, Edwards, Zilaire, and then McKinnon, and it sure worked well in this game. Um, it, it, you know, all of us who have been clamoring for the Chiefs to run the ball just a little bit more, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, got a lot of validation in this game. I think. But you I see really... what it does for the offense, like yeah. then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey complete broken coverage. Yeah, Travis Kelsey right. is wide open down the field. Not to say that it's a right. It's, not everything correlates, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt that the that the Jacksonville Jaguars are now thinking, okay, like we have to pay attention to this run game, right? And mm-hmm. right. Pacheco gained confidence yesterday too. On a day when he fumbled, I don't know why this always happens to the Chiefs, but on a day these young kids fumble the football, <laughs> it feels like they play their best game. And I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you hope hope that Pacheco can can build off of that. All right, John, let's go to your takeaway number two. Yeah, this is more of an explanation because I, I I think a lot of people were confused by it. Again, a special team play, first quarter punt um, by the Jaguars that they touched first mm-hmm. down by the goal line, and then Chiefs players went diving after it. And I think there was some confusion about what was going on there. But the, the ball ultimately, I think, <laughs> had been recovered – uh, by the kicking team, uh, I, I don't think the officials ever told us exactly who ended up with that ball. But the thing that's interesting about it, I looked it up in the rules this morning. Okay. If the kicking team, if a member of the kicking team touches the ball yeah. while his body is in contact with the goal line, it's a touchback. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens after that. At the moment that that occurs by rule, that's a touchback. So all the wrestling for the ball, uh, at, and, and the reason for that is that the, they don't want the kicking team to touch the ball and then get a touchdown. That's why the rule is set up that way. Um, so, right. so correct me if I'm whole, wrong though, too, John. If you if the kicking team touches the ball first, they can't recover right. it. And so at that point, if the returner goes for it, it's not like. It's not like the kicking team can touch it and then the returner touches it and then somehow the kicking team like once the kicking team touches it first, it's not you can't recover it. So I think that's what you saw. It's risk free going for it at that stage. Right, right, exactly. And it's a live ball until it it touches the goal line, essentially. Right. And um, so, you know, they were all down there wrestling for it. And I think people saw that as a bad special teams play, but it really wasn't. The players did what they're supposed to do in that circumstance. It's just that the ball went into the end zone. And at that point, because the kicking team had touched it first and touched it while um, they were on the ground and the ball was in the end zone, it's a touchback. That's the end of the story. We're seeing some interesting developments on special teams and, Dave Tobe's been really good for a long time and, and we are seeing some issues, but you know, in, in covering him for as long as I have, I, I feel like they're going to be worked out one way mm-hmm. or another. Uh, I know that, that people are concerned about the kicking game and I think that's fair. And we're going to sort of talk about that a little bit more when we go through the headlines in our next segment. But I think that I, I, I just have confidence in Tobe. I, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I, I have started to see some, get rid of tobe comments and sure oh, yeah, on Twitter. I have yeah but uh you know i'm not there yet you know I, I think there's a time and place i and look i i can get there i covered this team when it was so clear to me that that bob sutton 
needed to be let go and they needed to, to go in another direction. And and I just don't think we're there quite yet with Tobe. I, I can understand some of the concern, though. All right. What is my second marinated takeaway? I got to pull back up my list. Hold on one second here. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <clears throat> OK, this is it. I'm very, very impressed. I'm so impressed with every level of the Chiefs defense. And I think it's probably for me the reason why I'm feeling that they could go back to the Super Bowl and win it the most. Um, Patrick Mahomes in the offense is always going to be of Super Bowl caliber. I, I think what stops me some, from sometimes, especially when you, you talk about other teams in the AFC, is those teams that can go blow for blow with the Chiefs. And I think the defense is really starting to set the tone. I understand the Jaguars scored two touchdowns and Christian Kirk. Had, Christian Kirk is living up to, I mean, he, he, yeah. he'd become a joke for wide receiver. Like, right. Why are you giving Christian Kirk all this money? He's a good player. You can yeah. start to see why the, the Jaguars did it. And he got sneed twice. And, you know, that's going to happen, I think, in a game. But you'll take 17 points, I think, most weeks and feel like you're, you're going to sure. be in a good position to win the game. But anyway, I want to highlight some people at every level. Colin Saunders up front is, I mean, it is just amazing the the quality of Saunders after essentially we were talking in the offseason on these podcasts John about him being player number 53 you know right <laughs> we weren't sure yeah. if he was going to make the team right and he is so clearly taking just a significant step forward and he had talked to us last week about how if people are going to run the football it's going to go through him so it's such a source of pride he coined the term run nation which I don't know. You know, it could be workshopped a little bit. I don't know if our nation is, is necessarily where it needs to be. But then he's had a sack or at least a half a sack in three straight games. Uh, and, and you know, the Chiefs for a couple years here, you've, you've been yearning for them to be able to get to the quarterback. So it was nice to see that they were able to do that yesterday, led by Saunders. I want to highlight Nick Bolton. at the. the he's just such, such a stud for this defense. And to be a leader and have everyone in good position and to really just pick up where Anthony Hitchens left off as far as mm-hmm. that blue yeah. guy. In the center, I think everything ticks through Bolton, and you see him make big yes. plays all the time. And then the cornerback rookie trio of Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson. I think you're finally starting to see Joshua Williams emerge a little bit here as they're rotating these guys. And for the team, you know, they can say whatever they want uh, at the podium and and compliment and blah blah blah, do this, do that. But for them to trade Rashad Fenton and say we're good with these guys, I, I just mm-hmm. think it's such a testament to how well they're playing and. Uh, you know, you have you have the two safeties and we don't mention their names all that much. It's not like they're making interceptions, but we also don't mention their names all that much, which right. to me is a, a very good thing when it comes to mm-hmm. the defensive secondary. I'm just so impressed with the, the defense and they did it for these two games, winning the games without Frank Clark. Now you get Frank Clark back. I think Carlos Dunlap is suddenly emerging here as, as a guy who can can get to the quarterback. You've got George Karloftis knocking down two passes a game and and suddenly you blink and you have a Super Bowl caliber defense too. And to me, this was just a game. And like I said, I understand Christian Kirk got him twice, but this is a game where I really felt like, okay, not only is this a Super Bowl caliber offense, but this is a Super Bowl caliber defense. Um, spotlights on you, Dave Tope, to, to get it, to get that other part uh, to, to <laughs> up to snuff. But uh, you got to feel really good, especially being in control now with the Bills loss about the Chiefs chances of, of winning the AFC. Well, you know, I, I, it's interesting to me that um, you made the point earlier that the the Chiefs pretty much dominated this game, and the final score, uh, as the saying goes, was closer than the game indicated. Um, and you're right about that. But it's also important to remember that 
the Jaguars missed two field goal attempts in this game. This game yeah. could have finished 27, 23. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and it would have been, a, still would have been a game that the chiefs had essentially dominated from start to finish. It just would have been an, in, a closer, uh, score in the points. And that's because of the effort that we're getting from the defense. I think you're exactly right about that. Um, they sometimes give up some yards and, um, uh, that was true with Bob Sutton's defenses. And I think that's part of what's driving a lot of the anti Spagnolo sentiment that you sometimes hear from fans is that, you know, there's a substantial difference where in how the team is ranked uh, in yards given up versus points given up. But this team is, has learned how to play uh, really well in those big moments that turn back a drive or prevent a, a touchdown or, you know, force a punt on because of a sack on third down, you know, you could go down the list of the things. And ultimately those makes a, those make a difference in a game and they made a difference in Sunday's game as well. All right. Keep us going, John. Um, I would, um, I was going to make that point about the game being closer. And then I <laughs> had Step thought of some. So then I thought of something else I wanted to make. So you gave me an opportunity to get in my fourth marinated te- takeaway. Congratulations for Everyone that. Everyone that listens loves a bonus MT, John. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. So go ahead. And now I've forgotten what it was. So, okay. I will go <laughs> with my final one. So if you can think of that, we will go to it. I have a unique marinated takeaway. And this is less about the, the Chiefs game and more about the Chiefs co- number one conference rival, which of course is the Buffalo Bills. And I made this point on on Monday Football Monday, our our national SB Nations show. So if you listen to both, sorry for the repeat here, but we need to put this Josh Allen touching the ball in overtime thing to rest. Josh Allen touched the ball in overtime yesterday in a really big game, and mm-hmm. he yeah. threw an interception. And it wasn't his mm-hmm. first interception of the game. And it was a bad one too. <laughs> and it was a bad one. And you know what? It it would it's been such a storyline with Buffalo and yeah. Kansas City. It, to the point, and, and if you were re- really watching the end of this game, I know a lot of Chiefs fans were, were done with the Chiefs game and were watching this, of course, rooting for the Minnesota Vikings. But if you're really watching, this game gets to overtime, and you have the, the broadcast showing Josh Allen like with his head in his hands praying because Minnesota got the ball first, and you could just like tell it's, oh, this is happening to me again. It's like <laughs> Minnesota got a field goal, and you had the ball, Josh Allen, you Mr. MVP yeah. candidate, Mr. Yeah. I'm better than Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Tom Brady and everyone. Everyone has mm-hmm. to praise Buffalo and be the MVP. And guess what? You threw an interception, and you play poorly now two weeks in a row. And you look up, and our, our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook have now the, the, the MVP odds. Patrick Mahomes is first. This is something that I did say on the, the national programming we do for SB Nation is that Patrick Mahomes right now is the, the third favorite for M- MVP entering the season. I'm like, get your MVP bets in. Eventually, he's not going to be, he's not going to be among the value picks. He'll be first and he'll be the favorite. And we wake up halfway through the year. Patrick Mahomes plus 150. Unbelievably, Tua and Jalen Hurts have the same odds at plus 400. And now Josh Allen is plus 600 after two bad weeks in a row. And I, I think it. It was so annoying to just see how much praise, and and this was not only from a Kansas City standpoint. I made the point from a Cincinnati standpoint of like everyone just cl- 10, 15 picks on NFL.com of Buffalo just rolling over the AFC and winning the Super Bowl when they have shown an inability to win big games, not only in the playoffs, but here you have a game where you have the Minnesota Vikings, who are a Super Bowl contender at seven and one, you have a chance to beat them, 
you drop the ball in your own end zone to let them back in the game to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Then, you, yeah. then you get your chance, right? Buffalo, we need to touch the ball in overtime. You get your chance against a good team. You finally can touch the ball in overtime. And then what do you throw to do? You throw an interception like Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen is a great player. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Sure. Top 10, if you want to say maybe whatever. I, I completely agree. But please, we have Patrick Mahomes now who has broken the record for the first 75 starts in his career. Broken Dan Marino's record for the first 75 starts in his career. And he has two more games to add touchdowns on Dan Mm -hmm. Marino. He is the best player through the amount of games he's played of all time. The Chiefs critics will tell you that, well, he has to win Super Bowls. I don't disagree with that. But my point is, if you want to argue to me like, okay, well, Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time. Stop talking about moments like that. All right. Whatever. You're you're completely right. He's got a lot of work to do when it comes to that. But stop selling me, Josh Allen. Just stop. Patrick Holmes is clearly the best active quarterback, and it isn't close. It isn't close. Sure, he has bad games. Everyone has bad games, but he's been the most consistent quarterback we've ever seen through this stage of his career, and it drives me nuts. And uh, hopefully people back down a little bit, I think, after seeing what transpired yesterday. So, Well, last Uh, year, I don't don't usually get his had his worst season and the team still went to the AFC right. championship game at home. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know me. I'm usually pretty calm when I, when it comes to marinated, but this one in particular fired me up. So there you go. Did well, you remember? I remembered, own... my, I remembered what it was. Okay. Cool. And, and it was something I was thinking about just before we started recording. Actually, um, this morning I, I put together the opening odds piece for the chiefs versus the chargers for this week. And I was inspired because, I realized, you know, the Chargers don't have much chance to come back and take the division if they lose this game. So I yeah. I got out the New York Times playoff calculator for the first time this season, my go-to choice for these playoff calculators. Talking a little business uh, on the air right now, John, we probably can get the, the playoff picture going pretty soon. Here, exactly. Yes. And that's, that's, a, that's exactly the point I'm going to make here is that at halftime yesterday, we passed the midpoint of the season and with the Chiefs victory and the Bills loss and the Chargers loss yesterday, we're in a very interesting position. Right now, uh, the Chiefs uh, can almost lock up the AFC West by defeating the Chargers. It comes down to this. If the Chargers win, they'll have about a 25% chance to win the, excuse me, about a 20% chance to win the division. So the chiefs would still win four times out of five uh, if the chargers should win this game this weekend. But if the chargers lose their chance to win the division goes down to about one in 30 and the chiefs chance to win the division goes to 97%. So uh, the chiefs are in a position that they can pretty much put this away with a win this weekend. Records and, and like numbers aside, and again, I would, you know, I gave myself credit for being right about the running backs. I will tell you, I was dead wrong about this division. The Broncos yeah. and Raiders have no chance. They have yeah. no chance to win the division. I yeah. Mean, I don't care. You, you could say, oh, they're going to go on a run. Sure. But like, they're not winning the division. The only team that has a possible chance is the LA Chargers, just from a, yeah. a team standpoint. And but they have to beat the Chiefs to have any chance at all. Sure. Right. That's, well, and, yeah. And I mean, yeah. to be in week 11 and to basically be able to clinch the division more or less like 90 97 percent is that's a high percentage something would have yes, to really wrong for the other teams to get back into it so yeah I mean, and it's just been an impressive year for for kansas city and you know it it's it hasn't been fun the division has not been fun but i think that you know that's a good thing is the fact that the chiefs my point in the offseason and again I'll, I'll 
reiterate how wrong I was, was that the Chiefs were in a bad position compared to the Buffalo Bills because of just how good the division was going to be. And as it turns out, the exact opposite is true. The Chiefs division seems like a cakewalk right now, whereas (laughs) Buffalo has to Mm -hmm. play mighty, mighty Jets, who they already lost to. They have the Dolphins, who are suddenly not only an AFC candidate, a Super Bowl candidate. Mm -hmm. You have to be honest with yourself. And I know, especially after Tyreek's words in the offseason, nobody wants to see that, but it's the reality. And, of course, you're playing Bill Belichick as well. So there is no easy game there, whereas you're going to be facing Broncos and and Raiders teams that have nothing to play for in the second half here. So, all right, that is our marinated takeaways for the Chiefs and Jaguars. The Chiefs improved to seven and two, first place in the AFC, the only AFC team with less than three losses. When we come back, we will round up the news that led into Chiefs and Jaguars, and we'll finish this bad boy up. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, the Chiefs are coming off a big win against the Jaguars, 27-17 to in Week 10. We did see some injuries in this game. If you're looking for updates, it's unlikely we'll have any updates before Wednesday. This is typically how the timetable goes, but I know that there's a lot of people concerned with Juju Smith-Schuster. One thing that stood out in the press conferences yesterday was that Patrick Mahomes noted he was able to talk to Juju and Juju was in good spirits. It, it, concussions are odd, right? Uh, right. I'm sure Trey might have been in good spirits yesterday once he kind of got through the initial evaluation in the locker room. I, I think it's pretty obvious he's probably did not wake up very comfortably this morning. Same thing with Chris Lamont, who you know, both suffered concussions. We'll, we'll, we should get an update on Andrew Wiley and his elbow on Wednesday as well. Apparently an MRI uh, coming for Andrew Wiley. But I'll start there with with Wiley. Prince Teguanogo entered the game. I thought I did a pretty good job, similar mm-hmm. to what I said about the secondary. We weren't necessarily calling out the name of Winogo, which is usually a good sign when you're talking about the offensive line. But this is a reminder, and we, we've said it for a couple weeks now, that Lucas Niang is, is in his final week of his 21-day PUP window. So we do expect him to be added to the active roster. I'm not sure that this is a, a player that they would want to shut down for the a whole year and they got to make a decision at the end of this week. And then we're still waiting on, on Blake bell, but I, I want to stick with Niang because uh, it's so pertinent with, with Andrew Wiley injured. And John, you came up with this question last week in our NFL reacts, 90% of AP readers think that Niang should get a, a chance to mm-hmm. start. So where are you at on this? Niang, Winogo and, and Wiley. Yeah. Uh, this is a very, suddenly has become a very interesting question. I, I don't think anybody would have predicted that, uh, you know, going into the weekend that Winogo would be in the conversation with regard to coming in for Wiley at this point of the season. But but there he is because he acquitted himself uh, pretty well in uh, Sunday's game. Wiley, uh, excuse me. Um, yes. Um, Niang. Niang has to be <laughs> lost track of what I was going to say there. Niang has to be activated by the day before Thanksgiving. He was uh, 
he was put on the he was designated for return is the expression that they use. So I'm a week early. I'm a week early is what you're telling me. Yeah, they they don't have to have him up for this game. They could keep him on the PUP list through the weekend and activate him as late as Wednesday of next week. Um, so that is an, another little thing to this. Maybe they will want to give Winogo a chance this weekend and sit Niang for one more week. I don't know. Um, but all of a sudden they have, instead of no options <laughs> for a right tackle, they've got a couple of guys that maybe they could put in there. Um, I, think I know a lot of people uh, said when we put up that article with that question about uh, Niang returning, a lot of people said, oh, there's no way he's going to return and play this year. It's going to take too long for him to get ready to play. Well, you know, he's going to have had three weeks of practice. And, and I the Chiefs. Think, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I think my the offensive line coach, Andy Hex, said he, he felt like Niang looked pretty good, which I think is yeah. important. I don't, I don't think he's just saying that. And then here's the other thing. I think that Andy Reid has shown a tendency to, if the team is winning, to stick with the offensive line. There have been mm -hmm. cases where you know, I'm thinking of Daniel Kilgore coming in for Austin Ryder. Some really, uh, some really deep, deep level <laughs> Chiefs info there. But um, there have been cases where they do make you know replacements mid year. Um, but I, I think, and again, I'm not like saying it's good that Andrew Wiley is injured, but I think it makes it a decision to try Niang yes. easier. I don't mm -hmm. know if Wiley, say Wiley got through this game with a clean bill of health and didn't injure his elbow. I think Andy Reid would, would who, who really likes Wiley, I think Andy Reid would maybe be a little hesitant to try Niang there, where I think it's a lot easier to be like, well, Niang's ready. Could be a better option than Winogo. Why don't we see how it goes? And then you have Winogo there, there just in case the Niang thing doesn't work out. I don't know. It is something to watch, and so that's why I wanted to bring it up as we round up the sure. headlines from over the past yeah. week um this one was interesting john you covered it for us steelers kicker matt wright uh, i'm sorry chiefs kicker matt wright former chiefs kicker matt wright he was poached by the steelers and then harrison butker in the locker room told us that he wasn't 100 and i've already <laughs> lost their, their backup kicker and then harrison butker missed another extra point on sunday what do you make of all this well, I get why people are upset. I get pe I get why people are worried. Our poll, which was before this weekend's game where he missed another extra, extra point, said that 53% of the fans were a little concerned, which I thought was about right. I think mm -hmm. it's fair to be, going into this weekend, it was fair to be a little concerned. About a quarter were not concerned. Um, and then the remaining percentage, which was about a quarter then, um, were at least somewhat concerned or a small percentage, 5%, very concerned about uh, Butker. I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that those percentages are going to go up yeah. now that Butker is coming mine, in and mixed and missed another extra point. <laughs> so, mine last week, I think I said on here that mine was a four out of 10. Yeah. And uh -huh. with the missed extra point, I think I'm now, now at a five. I'm going to raise it one point. I think actually him saying that he's not 100%, but he's getting there prevented me from raising that to like a six or seven but i'm yeah. also confused as and look i'm not trying to question the chief's decision making but if the kicker is not 100 percent and matt wright was doing the job well i just why didn't they shut him down for longer well, I, I think that's a fair question you know what i mean yeah but but matt wright wasn't perfect either didn't he I also know. he also had a missed uh kick in there someplace it's think, not like think, he was perfect i think and, what i'm saying is I think what I would have preferred if I'm a Chiefs fan is for that because 
you're right. Matt Wright was not perfect, but yeah. I'd rather, you know, for the playoffs, have that 100% Butker, who, when he's 100%, he's one of the best sure. kickers in the NFL, sure. instead of this, you know, I, when he said, I'm not 100%, I, I said, well, what percentage are you? And he wouldn't give me the answer on that. <laughs> yeah, and, that uh, was kind of interesting. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm just, like I said, my concern level is at a five, but I, I think mm-hmm. the sooner that Butker can feel good about his health, I think that's when you'll start to see that Butker of old. I'm just a little confused at the Chiefs' decision-making when it came to this stuff. You know, what's one of the problems here is that Butker has now been the place kicker for long, for the Chiefs for longer than anybody since Nick Lowry. And Nick oh. Lowry's starting to get to be a long time ago. Yeah. So we've gone through long periods where we've had substandard kickers, kickers that we've brought in as rookies and they didn't, they, you know, they weren't as good as we wanted them to be. So we let them go. We've, we've had a couple of guys that we introduced to the league, uh, Ryan Suckup and uh, Cairo Santos, who've ended up being uh, kickers for other teams. And neither one of those guys is as good as Harrison Bucker is. And yes, he missed an extra point on Sunday but I think Sunday's game was instructive because they showed how bad it could be. The Jaguars field goal kicker missed two field goals that could have, as I mentioned a little while ago, made a substantial difference in how the game might have played out. So, yes, I, I think it's fair to be concerned about Butker's ankle. But, you know, Tobe said it the other day. He expects him to come back and be right where he was. I agree with you that it's a little concerning that they brought him back too fast, but, um, you know, he said in the interview that he's, he's well enough to be out there. He's just struggling with some things in some situations, and apparently those include extra points, which in fairness was an issue for Butker before then. He's struggled with extra points for some reason, even though he makes 62 yard kicks with with ease. Here's here's the thing. And, and like against a team like the Jaguars, because the chiefs are a good football team. And as you mentioned, they got to break with the Jaguars kicker, not really playing that well either. You don't, you don't necessarily need it in a division game next week where the chargers are in desperation mode. You Mm -hmm. may lose the game by a point if you miss. So that I think you've bought, you've used your time to try to, get yourself back right but i i just i think the you know kicks against in division games and then you know you play the bengals a couple weeks later and especially when you get to the afc playoffs right if the you know the chiefs are playing a team like the miami dolphins you're gonna need every single point mm-hmm. like, like that's where yeah. the dolphins are at right now so it's just i don't know there's time but that's to still figure... two months from now you know there's and two months is to a figure fair it out time. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's time to figure it out but like you know, my my radar five, and you have some Chiefs fans showing their concern. If a missed field goal costs the Chiefs a, a game against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, oh man, that, that five is going to get boosted yeah. across the board to, yep. to much higher. Yeah, I so, agree. I so agree. we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there on the Butker front. Okay, heading into the week, Doug Peterson discussed facing Andy Reid and the Chiefs. I like this quote from him. Just wanted to highlight this. One thing that I've always appreciated about Coach Reed is that each week he's going to have a handful of plays that are new that are a little bit different. It is fun for the guys. It just continues to challenge and uh, let your team grow. Some of these plays might come to him in a dream, or he'll see it on a college football game on a Saturday afternoon, or maybe something he ran back at BYU. That's what makes it so hard to go against Andy Reed coach teams because of their creativity. 
And I think that's why you've seen such a consistent offense when it comes to winning with Andy Reid. It's just he's leaving no stone unturned. And I, I think it's something we sort of knew, but it's nice to be reminded that he comes up with new looks for the Chiefs offense every week. So you, you can't scout that. And we talk about how defenses do that to Patrick Mahomes. Well, Patrick Mahomes is doing it to them as well. I was uh, struck by one particular thing in that quote. Um, Andy Reid has time to watch college football games on Saturday. I, I mean, so. who knew? You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought that NFL coaches, uh, you know, were at their desks at the stadium, you know, 18 hours a day at yeah. least, even on Saturdays. So I'm surprised that Andy Reid has time to watch college football games. I think, you know, I'm just a silly football writer. I don't have time to watch college football games. I mean, I don't get it. I think they were, I think he was being a little liberal with the quote. I know that Andy Reid has <laughs> guys that they see they they watch the college and then uh, okay. give him the right. give him the interesting new concepts like <laughs> I believe that was part of Joe Blymeyer's role before he took the uh, nod as the wide receivers coach. I'm sure they're all doing a little bit of that, but well, can I get uh, the, we should we should set that up for us. We should have somebody whose job it is to watch college football games and to tell us uh, what's going maybe, on. Maybe one of our 20 new writers has some interest yeah. in, in doing that. <laughs> uh, wide receiver Nicole Hardman missed uh, all of practice last week, ended up not playing in the game. And I think that's rough timing for him because, my goodness, Kadarius Tony, this this is something mm, we probably could yeah. have included in marinated takeaways. He looks like a first round pick. Uh, I And he was, right? And so right. he should look like that. I don't know what happened in New York, but he looks like a, a player that needs snaps and needs touches. And those touches and those snaps have to come from somewhere. And they're unless Juju misses time, they're not going to come from Juju Smith-Schuster or Travis Kelsey. So, uh, you know what I mean? I, I I put down here in our notes, did he get, in a sense, Wally pipped by Kadarius Toney? Uh, he's certainly going to get touches as the punt returner. But even in those Hardman looks, I, you know, it made you wonder, is this, is this a better option on those end-around ghost action, jet sweep type mm-hmm. of plays than maybe McCole Hardman is? Yeah, I mean, he the the one that was a handoff to him, that jet sweep handoff yeah. to him, he looked just like McColl Hardman in that play, and um, a little bit you know, better and more elusive. I, you yeah, know, if, I, if I will yeah. say, yeah. yeah, and I and I think that was the idea was that this is a guy that we could get and have and have control over him for several years, who would fulfill the role that yeah. in which we have used. Uh, McCole Hardman, and he certainly demonstrated I, he was capable of doing that so, on really, Sunday. Hardman's in the last year of his deal. It's a really small sample size, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, say, like this trend were to continue and Tony looks the way he does, the Chiefs have control of Tony for three and maybe four years mm-hmm. on the rookie deal because they could enact the fifth year option. option. Yeah. Which to me, in a way, and uh, you know, it's it stings a little bit for the Hardman fans out there. And you know, I think he's a he's a good player and he's a nice guy. But it is becoming clear, especially with the wide receiver contracts, that if you you have Tony and you feel good about him at the end of the season, Hardman is the one who's going to walk. Right. And with the wide receiver contracts the way you are, you may end up getting a fourth round pick out of him. Um, right. Mm-hmm. A compensatory pick, and and so it's becoming, especially with with the way. Tony played. And again, it's two games. So we got to see it for longer, but right, right, right. I'm assuming as I say this, that that trend will continue of him looking as good as he is. And it's, it, this is the business of football. It's be, it almost looks like it's going to be an easy decision for the chiefs. Should the health be there and should the production be there, which is it's tough for Hardman because I think coming into this year without Tyree kill, 
he must have felt like, okay, maybe this is my final, finally my time to, 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 to do this for, for Kansas City. And I can't, I'm starting, it's, it's starting to feel like I, I, I can't see, I can't see a reasoning and a, and a, like a validity, there we go, validity in keeping him past mm-hmm. this year anymore yeah. with the way things are kind of shaping out here. Well, you know, we always talk about Brett Veach being, stuck on these the idea of bringing in these first-round picks who don't work out on other teams. And I think he does it when mm-hmm. they are players that he would have drafted if he'd had mm-hmm. the pick available to do it at the time that they were drafted. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, any random first-round pick. It's going to be, you know, and, and he's not any different than most fans. You know, most fans, they get a draft crush on a guy. Five years later, they're still saying, oh, we should have gotten this guy that I that I liked coming out of college. Why would Brett Veach be any different? You know, he sees a player that he thinks could work out for his team he, yeah. and they become available in some way. He's going to go get them, you know, because the risk is low. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, they might be just what you thought when they were coming out of college. And that's clearly the case with Kadarius Tony. They were trying to get him before the draft, trying to mm-hmm. make a deal with the Giants. And they have made it clear that they were looking at him very carefully before the draft. They just weren't in a position they could draft him. So, you know, this is one time that Brett Veach's strategy of making a move to get a first round player who's fallen out of favor is going to work out. It sure looks like it. And it's a more recent first rounder. Sure. Which, you know, a lot of times these guys were were drafted in the first or second round years ago. And there's just been a lot more data about there really wasn't a lot of pro tape out there on Tony because of the injuries and some of the off the field stuff in, in New York, nothing terrible off the field, but just ankle injury and attitude thing and sneaker fit sure. weird stories. But Hey, so far so good Kansas city. And, and to, Tony said after the game yesterday that even through two games, he feels like he's just such, such a, in such a better place than he ever was in New York, which, Hey, uh, that's, that's a win for, for the chiefs. And so far it, it looks like they got a steal. We'll see who the giants end up taking with those picks, but Kansas City has to be thrilled, and we'll sure. see how that does impact Hardman once he gets back in the mix and and so on and so forth. He also, like I said before, is now the punt returner. I think that's going to stick moving forward, so we'll see how he does when it comes to the return game. Smith-Schuster going into the game said he would love to stay in Kansas City. I think a lot of Chiefs fans would love to have him. I think it's going to come down to how much he costs. Uh, again, we have no up- update on, on his injury status. If I'm taking a random stab at it, I don't I can't see him playing next game, at least one game, but we you never know with concussions. Regardless, I think he'll be back at some point this year. Um, you know, whether that be two, three weeks or whatever it is. Maybe he'll play next game. Who knows? Concussions can be really weird of getting through the protocol. But um just been such a fit behind Travis Kelsey. But I, mm-hmm. I think it I think it is gonna have to take if he just goes by the wide receiver market, it's the un- unrestricted free agency and, and wants to be paid the most money. I think that's going to be tough for the Chiefs to to swallow. But I think if he's willing to work with the team, like on Orlando Brown was unwilling to, and come to a fair price and continue to be able to play with Patrick Mahomes, who he really said he you know he loves playing with and he's making the most of him, then I think it's possible that you see Juju sign like a three or four year deal in Kansas City that would bring him to his twenty nine year old season. But I I think I think there is going to have to be some bending on on the Juju side. Well, maybe a little bit, but remember that the Chiefs are in a position that they could let uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling go next year. Yeah. 
you know, and yeah. have uh, just a small, a relatively small amount of uh, dead cap on that contract. So if it turns out that they want to keep Smith Schuster, uh, they would have the option to let MVS go. Um, now, whether they want to or not, you know, that could be, that could change, you know, right now that looks like a good yeah. move because he hasn't been super effective in the chiefs offense. Although he did have a touchdown on Sunday yeah. for the first time. That's a good thing. He's had a and, couple good recent games, but yeah. Yeah. I think the question that you ask yourself when you're talking about the, what, what you're saying, John is, is he replaceable? And right. I think, I think he's shown to be a, a little replaceable for something that might cost a little bit less money. Right. Uh, but that could change. That could change yeah. over the final, you know, eight weeks of the season. You know, there's still quite a bit of the season left. A lot of football left to play, as mm -hmm. we like to say. And uh, so th that could change. We could be in a situation at the end of the season where MVS has also been playing very well and becomes a solid contributor. And then you got some hard questions going into next year if, uh, in order to keep Smith-Schuster. Yeah. We'll see what ends up happening. That That is a, a conversation for a much later date. Colin Saunders, I, I mentioned this before. I had this written down. He, he coined Run Nation with I loved, but uh, he, he's <laughs> turning out to be one of the better pass rushers on the team. So good for him to revamp his career in a big way. He's a guy that's coming up as well. So he, he stands to make a little bit of money. I'm, I'm, I'm tending to think that the Chiefs could retain him because I, I don't think he, on the open market he's going to be all that expensive. But it rem right. remains to be seen if he wants to. Stay in Kansas City. We're going to stay in Kansas City, and we are happy to do so. Uh, this has been another edition of the Editor Show. We we got a jam-packed week on ourheadpride.com, continuing along now into the second half of the season. It's the Chiefs and the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. We'll have a week full of podcasts. We're trying to get someone from the Chargers, I believe, on Thursday, but your regular shows, the Great British Chiefs show. We have Coast to Coast and Out of Structure. Of course, Show and BK. We've added another show called Kingdom Keys, which previews the game on the weekend. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll say it. I think the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network right now is purring, and you should lean into that. This is some great content. If you want to leave us a rating and a review, we, of course, will read it on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. For Steve Serta behind our Digital Glass here and John Dixon. I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.